Okay. What's the matter with your audio? Hmm? It sounds like you're echoing everywhere. Does it? Oh, because I don't have my headphones in. That's why. See? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to episode 42 of Suplex Biddies. Brought to you by Couch Guy Sports. Do yourself a favor. Go use the internet one time. Check out all the blogs, all the articles, all the podcasts on the network. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. 2022 is the year of Couch Guy Sports, and it's going to the moon, baby, like camera grinds. Hunman, now I can't hear your audio. I haven't said anything. Oh. Well, you went who? And I was waiting for it to come out. Ooh, see the delay. Now you're wicked. Now, now why is your volume so low? Because I'm not speaking loudly. Technical difficulties. All right, we're good. <clears throat> so, as you know, Andrew Hunman is here. Um, fuck. We have Diego Galvez is also here again this week. No John Alba this week, unfortunately. Uh, hopefully we get him back on the show soon. Hopefully we can get him on after the Rumble. So like, yeah, you were right, bro. You know? Yeah, when Roman went, when Roman Wayne's wins. Guy, a guy had some really, really good insight. You can see why he's as successful as he is. Mm-hmm. So we got a nice little show for you tonight. Uh, but first, fellas. Have you ever felt unable to focus, tired, just low on energy? Yes, sir. Hanman? Right now, can't keep my eyes open. Hurts. Yep. There it is. So we understand that feeling, and we understand it so well that the Suplex Biddies podcast is brought to you by the Couch Guy Sports Network and sponsored by our friends over at Shocked Energy. That was a very thick Boston accent there. I apologize. Shocked Energy. <laughs> Is a drink made by gamers for gamers. All their flavors compact with 180 milligrams of caffeine to ensure that no matter what you're doing, your focus will always be razor sharp to keep you performing at the top of your game. Yeah. Their formulas are designed to specifically give you a high energy boost when you need it the most while ensuring to avoid the jitters after too much caffeine consumption. Do yourself the favor right now Go on your computer, your little, your tablet, whatever kind of social media device you got that goes on, like a, a cell phone. Go on your cell phone. Type in www.shockenergy.com. Use the promo code CGSN today for 10% off your order. As There's two boxes you got to check out. Green apple, watermelon. Both delicious. Both highly recommended. Oh, and don't worry because they ship worldwide. That's right. Worldwide. Get your shocked energy today and let us help you gain your focus and energy back. Fellas, now that we're focused, now that we're on our shocked energy-ish, it's time to get into our fantastic show. With the Royal Rumble coming just a couple weeks away, we decided that we were going to go over our list of five top Royal Rumble matches. So our top five Royal Rumble matches of all time. Before Diego, we do you had a question? Yeah, before we do that, I just want to real quick, you know, we, we did the ad read, we did the intro and whatnot. But one thing we haven't done yet, and as VP of Culture Sports, I just want to give a quick shout out to John Alba real, real quick once again. We haven't come on on our previous episode. Great personality, great attitude, um, great energy that he brought in, and a lot of knowledge that he brought to our um, to our podcast. So once again, just a, a quick shout out to John. 
Hope to have him back on. And uh, if you haven't checked out his podcast, make sure that you do. Lengthy episodes, but trust me that you do not want to miss any of those episodes. They're fully loaded with content and a lot of really, really great content that you can only get by listening to those podcasts. So Jones, carry on. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to John. And uh, yeah, and us as well. That was a huge guest for us as well. So as we continue, as we continue to grow, can't wait to have more guests on and, uh, and do our thing. But anyways, John's carry on. That's my VP. Just call me, just call me me John's Jones. It's just that the the Bostonian accent comes out every now and then. And then you blend it with Spanish, which is probably just the, the worst blending ever there is. So it, it, it happens every now and then. Chris Johns. Johns. Here we go. Go ahead, Johns. So again, again, like Diego said, make sure you're checking out John Albers, new podcast, Matt Hardy, the most recent episode that has dropped with Hangman Adam Page. We finally get an inside look at AEW Creative and how good they are at building certain guys within their company. So that's something you want to check out. So Just let's move two over. Two-year storyline actually having a payoff. Can't believe it. Something Vince McMahon would never do. Okay. Nah, maybe. You never know. No. No. Royal Rumble <laughs> coming up. Let's get back into it. Top five Royal Rumble matches of all time. I'm going to start off with our wrestling aficionado here, Andrew Hunman. We'll go five and we'll go around. So let's start off with Hunman. Hunman, give me your fifth best Royal so Rumble match. Of all with time. this topic, when we were talking about today amongst ourselves as the hosts, we we're kind of leaving it up to interpretation. So. It's kind of like, is it your favorite winners? Is it your favorite Rumble matches themselves? Could be your favorite pay-per-views. I stuck with the lingo of just going with our favorite Royal Rumble matches themselves, whether it's the 30 men, 30 women's. So I start out number five with the Royal Rumble 2006. And everyone, I think, will remember that one. It's a pretty iconic one post, uh, you know, Ruthless Aggression Era. That's when Eddie Guerrero had passed away and Rey Mysterio triumphantly came in and won from the... Uh, Number two spot in the Rumble, starting out with Triple H. Them two went the distance, ended up being the final uh, final three. It was Orton and Mysterio in the end. But it was, a, uh, it was a really cool story. Obviously, we got a huge payoff at WrestleMania that coming year with Eddie Guerrero getting his tribute and his homage with Ray winning the championship that no one ever thought he would get. And your Iron Man for that one was actually Carlito, who clocked in, I believe it was around a half hour. So there's always that one every year that gets in early, lasts a very long time, has a cool showing. It's when you have a, the company seems to want to back them a little bit and give them time to shine, you know, and they can look back and say, well, he lasted 45 minutes in the Rumble. Imagine what's next. So there you go. My number five, Royal Rumble 2006, Rey Mysterio. All right, Diego. All right. So at number five, um, for me personally, it's a 2005 Royal Rumble where Batista won that Royal Rumble. Uh, it was a match literally like, you ever heard of that book in high school called Tale of Two Cities? Kind of reminded me a lot of that. Uh, first place, you, you know, you're, you're seeing wrestlers that you haven't heard of more, more recently, nor well, you hear more of, uh, you know, people like Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, uh, Hardcore Holly, uh, you know, a few others that were in, in that whole entire uh, rumble and seeing uh, seeing Kurt Angle's arm nearly broken as well. It, it was just everything that you wish for in terms of physicality, drive, intensity, power, 
all sorts of things that you look for when it comes to the Royal Rumble. And the, you know, the last person winning that match should be the person that can outlast everybody else. And Batista did just that. So for me, it's the 2005 Royal Rumble at number five. I guess. Okay. I like that. Um, For me, my number five has to be the 2010 Royal Rumble. This is where we didn't think Edge would ever wrestle again. And he comes back at 29 and ends up winning the Royal Rumble. The storyline was there. It set up everything fantastically. And I thought that this was one of the best Royal Rumble matches that I've seen in a very long time. Obviously, the Iron Man in that one was John Cena. We also had the Triple H getting eliminated by his buddy Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. So that storyline developed as well. It was a whole it was a whole thing. But the 2010 Royal Rumble, to me, that was also the year that we saw Best Phoenix eliminate the Great Khali. 2010, number five for me. So we'll move on. Hunman, give me your number four. Number four for me coming in uh, was the Royal Rumble of 2003. It was the first Rumble post-Attitude Era. Whole new generation of WWE talent coming in. One of the big taglines that they were going with that year was that they hadn't, there's no previous winners in this Rumble. So it's going to be a first time winner, regardless of who it was, which was kind of cool. You know, you, you saw a lot of guys that could get this opportunity. It was also the first WWE Royal Rumble because previously they were all WWF after they rebranded. And they came in with solid performances with uh, like RVD, Y2J, Matt Hardy, all lasting 27 plus minutes. Your final two with Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker had Brock Lesnar even more cement himself as the next big thing at the time, not knowing how things would play out. But WWE had all their cards in that man's pocket. Undertaker gave him that seal of approval, said, this is your title. This is your, you know, this is your company. And it's his time to shine. And not to, you know, little little tidbit. It was in Boston, and I was I happened to be there. So a little bias. But it was very awesome. First pay-per-view I ever went to, Royal Rumble 2003. That is my number four. Did you like that one? Mm-hmm. Uh, Diego, why don't you give me your number four? Sure. Uh, for me, at number four, it's none other than the Madison Square Garden 2000 Royal Rumble edition, where we saw as a winner... Dwayne The Rock Johnson. This was a time where we saw for two years a babyface period where Rikishi was the, 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 the babyface of WWE. Uh, you know, quickly, you know, him being a member of Too Cool, he quickly turned heel on that, on that legacy. And on the Royal Rumble, while he was really, really good, actually, he put on great performance, eliminating about six to seven men, I want to recall until he eliminated himself via a ridiculous mistake of his own. Go figure. It would be Rikishi to do that. Uh, Afterwards, from there, it was left off to three big guys, that being obviously the big boss man, China, and Test, if I'm not mistaken. Then we saw Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, jump in into the Royal Rumble, and with with Austin, with Stone, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin being out due to surgery, and Mick Foley kind of ending his career at the time, it was time for The Rock to really put the company on his shoulders and take it to that next level, which, in fact, he did and did a phenomenal job doing that for the whole entire year. Uh, probably one of the most entertaining years that I've seen so far out of WWE up until about 2010. 
Love it. No, for sure. For sure. Again, these, these are fantastic lists by both of you guys so far, by the way. Um, there hasn't been one that I really disagreed with as of right now. We'll see how the list progresses, of, of course. But for my number four, it's got to be 2002. Triple H coming back from his first big injury mm-hmm. finally became the guy in WWE by eliminating. By eliminating, who who was the last one? His current angle was the last one at 29. But it's the perfect one that somewhere too, I think, right? He he was the uh, the second to last one. He's at 28. Um, but Triple H coming in 23 minutes in the Rumble was the Iron Man in that Rumble as well. With him coming back in the beginning of January, you had the slight nostalgia that he was going to be to the one to win the Royal Rumble. Coming in at 22, he did just that. Triple H winning the 2002 Royal Rumble by number four. So, Hunman, we'll let you go. Number three. Number three, we're going to fast forward a little bit. Go to 2018 for the first ever Women's Royal Rumble. And for me, that was just a big moment for the women, obviously. They deserved a match. There was a stacked roster. This is when the the movement from the divas generation to the woman's generation was in full effect. You had plenty of stars coming in and out, a lot of throwbacks. They covered like three decades worth of eras of just superstars and everything like that. You had names like Lita, Tori Wilson, Molly Holly, Michelle McCool, who ended up having the most eliminations in the entire match, Trish Stratus, even Vicky Guerrero. And you had them blended in with all the other current age talent. Someone like Sasha Banks lasted 55 minutes one of those four horsewomen that has now carried the company for as long as she has. And the biggest thing for me with that one, obviously the first woman's rumble, very nice to see them get their moment, but Asuka winning the match just felt like the perfect thing. And it was just that year was her and Shinsuke Nakamura that year. So it was cool having two international types of superstars winning it. The main year results might not have been what all of us liked to see in the end, but it was a very cool homage to about three eras of women's wrestling. Bunch of people got their chance to shine and Asuka definitely is a great name to have as your first ever champion of the Royal Rumble. So that is my number three. That's a good one. Diego, can you give me your number three? Of course. This is probably my absolute favorite moment of all time altogether when it comes to WWE moments, whether it's the Royal Rumble, whether it's WrestleMania, whether it's SummerSlam, whatever you want to call it. Fortunately, I rank in the number three because my other two picks are just a little bit of beautiful history that kind of have led on to this moment in WWE history. However, at number three, it is probably by far the most emotional Royal Rumble that this crowd has ever seen returning to what was called for a while the spiritual home of WWE. It's 2008's Royal Rumble at Madison Square Garden, where John Cena came out as the winner. This was a time where wrestlers like Omaga were cleaning house, being a mega power within WWE, really just delivering amazing, amazing, amazing content for the for the industry, for the firm, for everything that WWE ever stood for in 2008. Roddy Piper also made an emotional return, having been... Uh, Having been a battle with Hodgkin's lymphoma uh, syndrome in 2007, and then where you know where we saw a stellar performance too from Triple H and, and uh, Batista, just in the most 
unpredictable moment. All of a sudden, you just hear John Cena's music drop, and the pop that that crowd gave when that music dropped, it's probably the loudest pop you'll ever hear ever again in WWE history. Ever, ever, ever again. Uh, Cena returned from having suffered a torn pectoral muscle in October. Nobody really thought that he was going to recover that fast. To nonetheless of, of the element of surprise and delivery here, John Cena did just that and far more, performing really, really well, showing that he never lost a single second of his talent overall in 2008. This is probably the most shocking Royal Rumble moment in all history. And by far, like I said, my greatest moment in WWE history. So at number three is that 2008 Royal Rumble. Not to mention the first two in that match were Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, which was quite the star-studded start to any. That was that was an incredible, 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 incredible moment. And again, like I said, you know, when I picked my number fourth pick with The Rock, it was all a very good leadoff from there. It was Mm -hmm. element of really good content, great surprises, a lot of physicality, a lot of great talent development. It was just a great moment to really be engaged with WWE and the product Mm -hmm. that they were delivering all along. Now, what was the bigger John Cena pop in your opinion? The Royal Rumble 2008 or his return this past summer when he popped out after, uh, while that was edge and Roman. While the latest moment was probably one of the most amazing pops we've heard in the past five years. I will give you that. I don't think there's anything topping that 2008 moment though. That pop from Madison square garden, just how loud and how engaged that crowd was. It's mm-hmm. a moment that you just can't beat at all. I used to love the Madison square garden, little entrance they had too. Yeah. It was like that little corridor and the screen kind of came out. I yep. don't know what it was about that arena, but I always love that too, but carry on guys. I apologize. No, that's fine. It's funny that you said it because my number three just so happens to be the 2007 Royal Rumble. Ooh, okay. Ooh. So, so it was funny how Diego transitioned it that way. This was not planned. But <laughs> with The Undertaker winning, you know, everybody was very high on Shawn Michaels at this time. Like this was going to be the WrestleMania match we were going to see at some mm-hmm. point with Shawn yeah. Michaels versus The Undertaker. And this is probably one of the best stories that WWE has ever done putting these two together in a WrestleMania moment. And with this storyline lasting well over a year, without even thinking about it, this was already fantastic. Obviously, the Iron Man in this was edged. He, he, was, he finished third in the Rumble, got eliminated by Shawn Michaels, and then it was Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker, and we all know how that went. It ruined Shawn Michaels' um, WrestleMania moment, but it helped create one of the best WrestleMania matches that we have ever seen. <clears throat> but before I let Hunterman go for number two, one of these episodes, we're going to have to do a top five biggest pops of all time. Yeah. Like we're going to have, we're going to have to do a bunch of, bunch you of, mean, you messages. mean loudest, loudest pops, right? Cause biggest pops just sound a little awkward. Biggest pops is when I get up and my knees pop, but like, you know, we can be better than that. <laughs> I'm in pain. So, Hanuman, so where's, number the, two. where's the DVD? Where's the DVD player? I just want to know. That's all. Hanuman, so number so two. Just before we jump into that, Jones, just so we're going to get to it anyway, 2007 is actually my number one. So since we're in the topic in the realm of discussing it right now, I might as well just throw in my little paragraph that I had thought about earlier as we're discussing it, but it is my number one if you don't mind. Or should I wait? 
Go for it. Doesn't matter. That way we don't have to loop back. Yeah, but and as that you way said, I don't have to hear you talk for about five to ten yeah, minutes. Exactly. It's the best. Where everybody wins. Great rumble. Undertaker comes out number 30, first guy ever to win it from the number 30 slot, which was one of those things where, oh my God, no one's ever won from the number 30 spot. It's the most coveted number in the rumble. It's happened many times since, a few times since. It was the first rumble that had Raw, SmackDown, and ECW. Once they finally added that third brand and tried to refine or refine, relaunch ECW, I should say. This rumble had so much speculation and intrigue and mystery because literally three weeks prior, four weeks prior, Triple H went down with his second big quad injury in his match with Rated RKO and Shawn Michaels. And a lot of people saw him potentially being the next guy to go for, for fighting the title, maybe have a rematch with John Cena after the prior WrestleMania, everything like that. But then after that, no one really knew what was going to happen. Jones mentioned the Iron Men of the match for the respective shows. It was Finley, Punk, and Edge. Finley was SmackDown, Punk ECW, Edge for Raw, who clocked in at about 44 minutes. Pretty freaking good showing. And just the final two having no quick turnaround. Like Usually the final two will last like a minute, maybe a minute or two. They literally decked it out for like five, six, seven minutes trying to eliminate each other and all these close calls, all these near finishes that had the feed, the, hand, the fans just eating out of the palm of their hands. And that was just a little sneak peek of what you could get from The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels going forward, leading into the WrestleMania matches, things like that. But Undertaker won the Rumble. It was awesome. And that was my number one. But number two, to segue back a little bit to a little bit more modern, uh, is the Men's Rumble from 2020 for this guy, uh, is the last Rumble that we had before COVID kind of came in and uh, took away the live audiences and changed the experience as we know it. There was many, many cool moments leading up to... The midpoint of the match, Brock Lesnar started it, eliminated every single person that was coming out, just dominating, had some funny spots with guys like Sheldon Benjamin, who he's old college roommates with. They, uh, you know, Lesnar was acting like they were going to be buddies and then ends up tossing them over. He had a nice moment with Keith Lee, kind of gave him a rub, which unfortunately led to nothing. And we, we've talked about that a thousand times. But the lead up to Drew McIntyre coming out and being the one to eliminate Brock Lesnar was awesome. And that was a huge pop. I know we talk about big pops, but the second he hit Lesnar with that Claymore and hit him over the top rope, the freaking I think it was Minute Maid Park. It was, it was some baseball stadium. I actually didn't write it down, but it was a huge ovation. And then from there on out, you, you, everyone thought it was Drew's year. Once he did that, you knew what was coming and he got his victory, got his first moments as a main event player. And as we know later on, dethroned Lesnar at WrestleMania. He also was the Iron Man of that match at around 34 minutes. So that is me, uh, my, me, my, my, my number two, Men's Royal Rumble 2020. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, don't get me wrong. The, the spot on there with the Minute Park, that was great. Is that what it was? To make it seem like you didn't know what you were talking about? I didn't actually. It wasn't <laughs> Minute Park? Yes. It was a baseball stadium. Okay, because they did a few the past couple of years. Yeah. Go All right, Diego, we'll let you do your number two. Sure. Don't say go ahead ever again. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so at number two, go ahead. Sorry. At number two, I have the 2007 Royal Rumble as well listed. I just give it a little bit more of a bonus point here because of, of several factors. When you think of most Royal Rumbles, there's always a couple of matches or a couple of spots that are botched typically at the beginning 
Then you have a little bit of a comedic bit that tends to be somewhere in the middle, maybe leaning towards the, the peak of the moment for the Royal Rumble in itself. And then you get to the physicality aspect of things. In 2007, it wasn't quite like that. When you look at the first three to four bits of the 2007 Royal Rumble, all you see is a lot of competitiveness and a lot of seriousness in these characters. They were all laser focused, trying to prove that they can that they could win this Royal Rumble without a shred of a doubt. Every single competitive in there and every single competitor that was in there could have very easily won this match single-handedly. However, nobody expected the great Kali to deliver the performance that he delivered, where he is basically cleaning house, dropping everyone off of, of the of the list single-handedly. And then all of a sudden, just at the at the most perfect moment when Great Khali is just delivering this amazing performance, probably the best performance of his whole entire time. You all of a sudden just hear the gong sound and the eternal funeral music of the Undertaker come on. And all you see is Undertaker speed line straight to the to Great Khali, punch him so hard that he eliminates him. I, I have never seen such levels of intimidation, physicality, and great delivery upon an entry like what Undertaker gave us in 2007. Then on top of that, you know, you, you have the magical storyline, which two years later, WrestleMania 25, probably the greatest moment of all history in WWE history when it comes to WrestleMania moments. Uh, of course, with HBK and The Undertaker. So for me, 2007, it just delivers a little bit more than what 2008 did. It delivers consistency. It delivers great uh, great commentary, great content, a lot of high levels where, honestly, in 2007, a lot of fans, you know, most people know that World Wrestling Entertainment, a lot of it, some of it has to do with some chicanery, a little bit of fake uh delivery here and there but in 2007 it kind of withdrew that expectancy of the sport and it really gave it that essence of no this actually could be real because these guys are really been the living hell out of each other so it, it for me 2007 just really delivered that and that's why i'm ranking it at number two no i agree with you there my number two actually was already set 2006 Oh, okay. Listen, it was very hard for me not to put this number one. Mm-hmm. But with the homage of Rey Mysterio winning at the two spot, lasting over an hour, he wasn't even the only person in that rumble to last over an hour. Triple H also lasted a little bit over an hour as well before Rey eliminated him. Plus, the storyline was great. WWE did a, a fantastic job with this one yet again. Rey Mysterio was the Iron Man in this one, and he won the Royal Rumble and then went on to win the world title in homage of his best friend. Great storytelling right there in 2006. So that's my number two. Diego, why don't you give us your number one? Sure thing. So number one, this is a moment of history for me personally. Uh, A moment that truly developed who this personality would become to later on be and deliver basically one of the top 10 matches of all time for WWE history. It is none other than the 1995 Royal Rumble where Shawn Michaels was the winner for this Royal Rumble. 
Uh, we saw it was a lean year for the WWE. Most of the drawn talent that came to WWE left a company known as WCW at the time. The final four entrants in that Royal Rumble were people like Adam Bomb, Fatu, Crush, Dick Murdoch. Uh, and then in 95 was also the year where Shawn Michaels literally entered at the number one position and outlasted all 29 competitors to then win his WrestleMania title shot, which all along leading prior to the Royal Rumble, Shawn Michaels just wanted that opportunity. And he wanted in probably the best way possible that a wrestler has ever won his WrestleMania moment. The false finish between the British Bulldog and Shawn Michaels is also the kind of stuff that we kind of got a glimpse of what the classic matches, the classic matches should really look like. And in 95, it kind of led on the way tours later on, you know, 96, 97, 98, the 2000s, even the 2010 era where we saw these, where we saw these fake finishes happening that later on kind of gave an identity to how some matches might potentially end, especially when they have a really good storyline. An example, like in 1995, where the British Bulldog and Shawn Michaels had their match. Later on, uh, Michaels would also be crowned at WrestleMania as WWE champion for the first time in his career after winning that Royal Rumble match. So for me personally, seeing the career that Shawn Michaels had, seeing the pathway that he took to win his first ever title as WWE champion and uh, going, going out of his way to really beat all 29 opponents. Just imagine of a nowadays wrestler that can enter at the number one position and outlast all 29 opponents and also win the Royal, also win the WrestleMania title at the, at, at, you know, at, at that opportunity, there's no other wrestler that has done it currently. And for me personally, the level of respect that there is for Shawn Michaels is extremely well-deserved, especially after that 95 appearance. Now to go off of my number one, I know we already talked about it, but one thing that we talk about more with the Rumble 2007, obviously the later stories of The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and how their WrestleMania shaped up. There was also a very unexpectedly awesome match between The Undertaker and Batista at WrestleMania 23. Just two big Haas heavyweights that you wouldn't expect to put on some type of, you know, a quality match. And they honestly knocked it out of the park. So that's another one of those. Just so many, so much came from that singular match. So many different payoffs, and that to me is why it is the best one of all time. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. For me, this one was hard because I could have easily made the argument for 2006 number one. But this Royal Rumble set up probably one of the best endings to um, or beginnings to a – no, hold on. I'm trying to think of years. I'm trying to think in my head. Sorry, my head, my brain's – not working properly. Monday brain. But but this led to one of the probably the best main events at a WrestleMania that I've ever seen. And that happens to be none other than the 2001 Royal Rumble match. Hmm. Stone Cold winning, obviously. Coming at 2070, lasted less than 10 minutes. But they didn't go long back then. That Royal Rumble match went a little bit over an hour with the Iron Man being... The Rock in that one. 
So what happened was Stone Cold wins the Rumble. The Rock wins the title. They set themselves up for WrestleMania 17. <laughs> to me, the moment that sets up the WrestleMania is what makes the Royal Rumble so much better. And with that being said, that is specifically why the 2001 Royal Rumble is my number one pick. Nice. Yeah. Well, that was uh, Austin's third and final Rumble victory, I believe, too, right? Austin won he... Austin won in 97, 98, 2001. Yeah. Most wins ever, I think. I don't think anyone's tied it just yet. I'm sure it'll happen at some point with like a Roman or a Randy, something like that. But the other one that I want to talk about, I know we elaborated on it a little bit. There was two honorable mentions. Didn't make our list, but they're very well-renowned amongst the community of wrestling fans and such. The 1992 Royal Rumble with Ric Flair. Overlapping of what people consider like the golden era of wrestling, the late 80s, early 90s, going into the new wave of WWE Raw. A lot of people think that's the best one, so shout out to that and Ric Flair's performance back then. And then the dicey subject, tough to talk about sometimes, Royal Rumble 2004 with Chris Benoit winning the match. (laughs) Stevie Richards, uh, Chris Benoit. May, uh, winning the match to going on to main event WrestleMania. The thing that made that so special is Benoit was one of those guys that was like almost like a pre-Daniel Bryan where the fans were always behind him, always wanted to see him succeed. Finally got his chance to do so. He was also the first champion to switch shows after the brand extension. So he won it as a SmackDown superstar, ended up going to Raw, challenge for the World Heavyweight title. We know many people have done that since. And it also gave us that nice moment of him and Eddie at the end of WrestleMania 20 as both champions that unfortunately because of circumstances and how things played out in the real life of Chris Benoit, it doesn't get mentioned as much, but that one particular photo op is definitely one of those things that will be etched in history books for life. So there sure, you go. For sure. So that'll do it for our Royal Rumble section of the show. Now we're going to go on to some more recent topics. First and foremost, another WWE superstar requesting their release this time. Mustafa Ali. What are our thoughts on Mustafa Ali requesting his release? Love the public uh, tweeting about it because a lot of people will request their release, not get it granted, and then just kind of stay silent. He is a guy that has been severely underused, seemingly mistreated, and just stop and go push, stop and go push all the time. It's a dude that has so much to freaking offer to the industry. I'm glad he came out in public and said it. I don't, as far as I know, up to this point, it has not been granted officially. But at one imagines once it becomes public like that, it will be in the near future. And I can't wait to see what the heck he has to do. And his quote of saying, I have more to give to the, or something along the lines of, I have more to give to pro wrestling, pro wrestling than just my dreams in pro wrestling. He has a message he wants to send and all these things he can't accomplish where he is right now. So I hope he gets what he asks for and then gets to succeed elsewhere. But what else, what would you guys have for a reaction for that? It kind of, it's like, I'm surprised it hadn't happened already. I mean, I just think more so it's going to be a waiting game now because, because this is what happens. Vince, here's all these disgruntled superstars. He goes, oh, oh, hold on. We'll give you what you want. We'll give you what you want. And then in comes the, the chamber match in February. We can, we, can, we can make you win. We can make you win that chamber match. Trust me. Give them a little bit of push and then literally go back down the car. For mm-hmm. Ali, he wants to be able to do more. And in order to do that, he needs to leave the company, unfortunately. Talk about a guy that just had so many – there's so many reports of all these 
potential opportunities that they had planned that then they mixed. Originally, it was supposed to be him versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania when Kofi Kingston ended up winning the championship. So that's a match that he missed out because he got hurt and missed the elimination chamber. Kofi took his place, and then the whole Kofi Mania thing started going. And then recently, another one, he tried pitching a character idea and shut it down. Allegedly, all these things. You know, once this type of report comes out, you get a bunch of the information trickling in from all the different sources across the internet and everything like that. It just seems like one dude that magic, that kind of the patience that man has. And the most recent one where he asked for like a day off to be there for the birth of his child. And they tried to get, you know, again, I don't know if this is all true. It's just a rumor. They tried, they gave him a hard time, but then ended up giving him maternity leave for like a month or two. And he hasn't come back since. So it's like, it goes from one day off to it being a big deal to, you know, just don't come back for like three months. Shades of almost like punk when they were like, oh, he'll come back at some point. But then no one ever calls him. All this time goes by, gets fired on his freaking wedding day. It's just it's some of these superstars, the way they get treated is really mind boggling. And it's another one of those yep. cases where it's you really got to question what the heck they're doing. And if if people like Tony Storm or others are going to request their release and get it granted almost immediately, whether they quit or not, why do you hold on to guys like this? Like if you're not going to use them, but you don't want to release them, what the hell are you doing? It's like, you know, their money, but you don't want to lose them so they can go succeed somewhere else. It just it's such a backward business practice. Like it's so frustrating to see play out all the time. Yeah. And I mean, this is this is frankly as to why we're starting to see this behavior develop even more and more and more from wrestlers finally just having that moment where enough is enough and they're speaking out and taking action into their career. Um, as you mentioned, Tony Storm, you know, she mentioned that she was just absolutely done and fed up having to feel like she needed to pay royalties to a superstar that nobody wants in that locker room. And she's only focused on, on her only growth rather than developing storylines that truly bring content onto the table for WWE and can make the company successful. She's only worried about her success, not being a company person. Uh, therefore, you know, dragging the ship down as further as, it's, as it has gone down already. Uh, in the case of Mustafa Ali, I really love the message that he mentioned, which, which to quote, it says, I have a message that is bigger than my dreams in pro wrestling. Despite my best efforts, I will not be able to deliver this message while working with WWE. Therefore, I am requesting my release on WWE. And of quote, I agree with his message. I agree with the verbatim and everything in there. And I agree with the way that he is delivering this simply because of the fact that every single time that this guy was rising to his moment and to potentially be in a really good baby face for WWE somewhere along the lines, management always found a way to shut it down and eliminate the storyline right off the roots. We saw it coming from the time where he was, you know, part of the three or five legacy within WWE. Uh, we saw it. We saw it from the lightweight division. Saw it from, you know, the most recent skit where he had the, uh, what was the name of this group? Retribution. Retribution. Thank you. When he was yeah, running what Retribution, what a phenomenal storyline that was. What a phenomenal practice was in WWE. Absolutely killed it at its worst moment, right when people were really starting to get even more involved with wanting to see more of Retribution. Uh, this, this is just peak WWE. I am excited to see this athletes actually speaking out on behalf of their careers and giving the respect that they deserve to their careers because nobody else is going to give it to them. Uh, you can have all the credit you want, but unless your name is established name somewhere like Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, or even an OG like John Cena, 
your name is just not going to be regarded. And unfortunately, where all this talent is also attributed to the success of WWE, the essence of equality and fair treatment in the workplace has long been gone in WWE to the point that in 2022, your employees are still having to remind you that there is no such thing as fair and equal treatment at WWE. We're seeing it all across the whole entire legacy, whether it's NXT, whether it's Raw, whether it's SmackDown, whether it's the women's division, or even just the development academy. Like it's just, it's insanity. And until a lawsuit or a potential bankruptcy scare happens to WWE, they're not going to realize this anytime soon. And that's why we're seeing all this talent want to leave. We're seeing uh, WWE take the, take the shortcut in the back door to try to get out of their problems in a way that seems professional and well handled by releasing all of these people. In 2021, we saw nearly 100 releases, if not 100 exactly. And in 2022, I, I feel like we're about to see another 50 to 60 releases as well. I don't know if they have that many left. <laughs> it, it, all, it all depends too i mean you know, we've seen we're seeing free agency which i'm sure we're gonna get to talk about very soon we're seeing some contracts that are coming to an end and some other legacies like aew and impact and all these other places who knows wwe might extend a contract to these superstars that are coming across but in wwe fashion they could also release them as well if they're not happy with the way the contract is either you know worded constructed or how that person is actually delivering their product. And it's just a, a shamble what WWE is running right now. Yep. So two things from me on the Mustafa Ali situation. The first thing is, like you said, he was looking for some time off. He's gotten time off. He hasn't been on DB since October 29th. Mm-hmm. When he, he faced a, Drew, he, yeah. Drew McIntyre. He had a nice Next. little promo after too, where he was going to kind of potentially become this like edgy character feeling underappreciated, underused, and then again, just nixed immediately. Like Next, there was a recent interview that Kofi Kingston did that says that he was hoping to face Mustafa Ali last year at WrestleMania 37. So not only has the last couple of years has Mustafa Ali been kind of screwed out of a WrestleMania match, but at the same time, Kofi was looking to repay the favor of, of him filling in for Mustafa Ali. Mustafa Ali had great characters in WWE, whether it was the hacker, whether it was the leader of the retribution, whether it was anything like that. WWE failed to do what they do because they didn't know how to book him properly. And it, and because of that is the reason why he's getting frustrated. And that is why he's requesting his release. Just think about that WrestleMania 27 next plan. Like it writes itself. The do- and they ended up tossing it into some random little month or two feud with a New Day and Retribution, which was like dumb because it had didn't really have much of a payoff. But at least they addressed it, which was good. But yeah, you had it all right there. This dude lost his spot last year unexpectedly just because of a bum, stupid injury. Kofi got his big moment and he's coming back for revenge. It literally writes itself. He gives him a win, gives him a WrestleMania moment. You have another solid mid card to upper mid card, maybe main event guy. And it's Next, <laughs> it's the favorite word of you know every freaking rumor from WWE. It's just next plans, next plans, next plans. Ugh. All right, last topic. Cody Rhodes is technically a free agent. Yeah, and the current AEW TNT champion. 
What's going on with that? I think it's part of the gimmick that he's been building for the last couple months. And it's, he's got everyone kind of eating out of the palm of his hand. A lot of people are starting to speculate that because he's a free agent, he's going to show up at the Rumble with the TNT Championship, which would be really cool. I mean, that'd be a great forbidden door entry, you know, because he is the free agent, as they say. But I can't foresee him leaving AEW for any reason. He helped fund, you know, found the company, is a big name there, potentially could be a world champion. Another one that people were tossing around is he lost a match saying he'd never compete for the AEW championship while he was under contract or something like that. Now he's technically a free agent. Maybe he's going to step up and try to beat Hangman and take the title because he's not technically on the roster. Loopholes, lots of options. It's it's cool because, he's again, he's a great star, great character, great promo, has a lot to give to the business. And it'll be cool to see how cool to see how it plays out. And Sammy Guevara added some fuel to the fire today, posting a nice little photo of him just flipping him off, saying, I'm coming for you. So that was cool. Yeah. This guy right here. Well, um, wasn't he only not allowed to compete for the AEW champion as long as Chris Jericho was champion? See, I don't know, to be honest. I forget what the actual thing was. I think it was sort of worded in both ways where it could be as long as Jericho was the champion or he would never fight for the world championship. The other thing for AEW too, don't forget Brody King debuted for house of black, which is a nice little thing. Good big guy from ring of honor, great performer, going to get a nice opportunity on a mainstream show. I digress. What are you guys else? What else do you guys feel about the Cody situation? Old take. He turns up on SmackDown with the TNT title and spraying paints it with the Fox logo. That was one of our uh, Twitter replies today, wasn't it, from someone? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't check the Twitter, Twitter sphere today. Some, a couple people talked about that today. That'd be funny. But Classic. I just think he's, he, he's going to be an AEW. Like, there's no yeah. ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like you said, I think it's more under character development more than anything. Frankly, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. We, we just recently talked about the many releases that WWE has done and what they're looking to rebuild and whatever. What if Cody Rhodes is one of the plans in 2022 to really revamp WWE with a smaller roster, but that can actually deliver a lot better of a product that truly brings them the profits that they're looking to see in 2022, especially as the pandemic did such a hit in 2021 and even 2020. Uh, personally, I, I agree. I could, I could see him potentially showing up to a show on SmackDown, uh, exploring his free agency. There is, there is short-term contracts that have happened in, in, uh, in the industry altogether. We've seen three-month contracts, six-month contracts, so on and so forth. Not, not be surprising to me at all to see maybe a one-month contract would be worked out with Cody Rhodes and see how the success of that is measured where we can see him showing up to SmackDown, joining the SmackDown roster, and potentially being part of the Royal Rumble. However, altogether, realizing what Cody Rhodes has to bring here to the table, it would not surprise me at all if AEW extends uh, an offer that Cody Rhodes can't refuse, especially with everything that he's built in that product. So last thing I'm going to say before we conclude episode 41. Hanuman, do you know who's 42? 40, 41 plus one is 42, correct? Yeah, exactly. You got it. 
Do you know who is a free agent at the end of this month? Cody Rhodes. Nope. Who else? Someone else? Is, is every, yeah. Fucking everybody at this point. No, I don't even know anymore. It has nothing to do with AEW. It has something to do with a big name and another wrestling company. And another and wrestling could, company. American-based or overseas? Overseas. Is it Will Ospreay? He's 2024. But there's nah, another we'll guy. Uh, he, he could be the Forbidden Door guy in the Rumble. Juice Ooh. Robinson. Uh, that, that'd be a letdown, though. It's cool. He's great. Not a lot of people know who he is, though. That's the problem. Good name, though. The guy's done wonderfully since he's left WWE. Like, he was an NXT guy, did not do much, and has gone on to do very, very awesome things overseas and with TNA and things. With Cody, though, the thing that – I mean, last time Cody was a free agent, I know not, as not everybody watches Being the Elite, the uh, Young Bucks YouTube television show – or, you know, series, YouTube series. They had a, a funny bit where Cody got the money shakes – when he was a free agent, because WWE was offering him all this money. And he, there was almost like, if you have the chance, just look up Cody Rhodes money shakes on YouTube and you'll get a good laugh for about five minutes. But if they can build even something like some just internet content, things like that, they'll do something with it. You know, at this point, it's tough to bet against them. So I'm excited to see how it plays out. All right. Any final thoughts before we conclude episode 42? None. Oh, uh, Finn Balor is supposed to be on Raw tonight, too. I think that was a big, uh, somewhat of a big comeback story tonight. That's a good one. I don't Thank know if goodness. he's back. I don't know if he's hurt or if it was just taking some time off, but he is officially supposed to be returning tonight. Thank goodness. We love, we love to hear that. So, yeah. with that being said, all of us here at Suplex Biddies, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Suplex Biddies. Make sure you're giving us a like on YouTube. You're rating us on Spotify. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, tell us we stink. Tell us we're doing great. I don't care. Feedback. All yep. feedback is good feedback. Exactly. But, but with that being said, also make sure couchguysports.com. Use the internet one time. Check them out. But with use that being once, said, you'll be hooked. With use that being once, said, hooked. With that being said, yes. Signing off, episode 42, Suplex Spitties. Hey, you got it right. Proud of you.